there, Christina Kay here. A few years ago, I drop kicked my corporate career to pursue my true passions of writing books and helping my fellow authors do the same. And while I'm now an award-winning, best-selling author, veteran editor, and self-publishing coach to over 100 authors, once upon a time, I made all the same painful but super common mistakes that new writers make every single day. Now fast forward through all the tears, frustrations, and heartbreak, and today I teach authors worldwide how to write their best book ever and how to launch their successful writing careers. I started the Self-Publishing Success Podcast to give you easy to follow, actionable advice on becoming a successful indie author by letting you eavesdrop on coaching sessions with people just like you. Each episode, I pull back the curtain and you get to listen in as a fellow book writer shares their biggest struggle and I coach them and you through every step they must take to overcome, to succeed, and to become their own, you guessed it, book boss. So if you're an aspiring author, or even if you've published before, but you just aren't happy with the results that you got by going it alone, you're in the right place. Let's get started, shall we? Okay, this week, I am stoked to bring you on our premiere episode of the season, none other than the one and only Hugh Howey. He's the indie author of books like Wool from the Silo Saga, Across the Sand, and so many more stories. He's arguably one of the most well-known and successful independently published authors in recent years, at least. So who better to cut the ceremonial ribbon on this season of our podcast than the prolific and profound Hugh Howey? A heartfelt and sincere welcome. And, and thank you for joining me on the chat today for the Self-Publishing Success Podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely privileged. Listen, let's just dive right in if that works for you. Sure. All right, so as a reader, an author coach, and a veteran of the publishing industry, I have to say, I am having a little bit of a angerl moment. And don't worry, I'm not gonna embarrass you by gushing like a schoolgirl. I'm just gonna say this, I do admire you, not just for your achievements as an author, but your tenacity and your dare to dream, make it happen kind of attitude. Uh, not only have I have you realized like one of your biggest dreams, which was becoming an author, which you absolutely kicked in the rear end, by the way, but I've heard you recently realized or working on realizing your second lifelong dream. Can you tell my listeners a bit about that? Yeah, you're probably talking about sailing around the world. I which, am. Um, I spent uh, five years on a boat from getting from South Africa to Australia. Uh, still have the Indian Ocean to uh, conquer, but uh, the Pacific was a lifelong dream to sail across. And my wife and I are gonna sail the Atlantic again this year from South Africa to the Caribbean. And um, yeah, I just love uh, spending time on the water and long passages, especially. It's, uh, yeah, I I lived on a boat um, in college well before I wrote my first novel and, and it's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. And it's been fun to get a chance to do it. And both writing a novel and doing a long voyage are similar. Like so many people had the dreams of doing both and getting started is the most difficult step, you know, just like launching off in it and having the courage to like commit to it. And uh, so I think experience in one really helped me out with the other. That's amazing. And I do have to ask, this wasn't a question I planned, but favorite port of call? 
Uh, Isla de Providencia is a favorite of mine. It's a little island off of Costa Rica, uh, owned by Colombia. Beautiful place. It, I've been to twice by boat. It has a really special place in my heart. So that's one of my favorite islands. Beautiful. Maybe one day you'll post some pictures if you haven't already. I'll have to go check your Instagram or something. <laughs> so I know that with every fiber of my being, I could never do that for many reasons, chief among them being that I had this incredibly annoying propensity to motion sickness, even on, no kidding, a porch swing. So yeah, I very, very admire, much admire you for that. So I'm sure we could talk sailing all day long. And I find it fascinating, even though I could never do it. And we must have a virtual coffee one day, maybe, and chat about that. So I can sure. drive with questions about all those ports of call. But I don't want to waste your time, so let's get back to it. So give me the editor's notes, if you don't mind, on how Hugh Howie uh, came to start his author career in the first place. And what was your experience as a newbie author like? It was a career 20 years in the making. I, I tried to write my first book when I was 12 and I didn't actually finish a novel until I was 32. And I spent, uh, I did a lot of other things in those years. Um, had a lot of fun adventures and um, uh, different jobs and loves and losses. But through it all, part of me was constantly kicking myself that I had not written a novel yet. It was my number one thing on my bucket list uh, for a very long time as an avid reader, as a, bookseller as someone who just um, wanted to be a part of the publishing world and the most I could do is write a short story every now and then but I never could seem to finish a novel when I finally did I sent it around as a word document to anybody who would read it <laughs> strangers online cousins family members uh, convincing someone to read you know a 300 page word document right. is already a challenge uh, the idea that someone would pay money to do it was like another step too far <laughs> but the people who actually read it was not very many said that it was incredible even got some editing advice from a few people and uh they encouraged me to try to get it published so i, I went out i was going to just publish it chapter at a time on my blog and hope that maybe i had 12 people read the whole thing you know i had no ambitions at this point and i sent it around to a couple of publishers and one of them offered me an advance which i this is already more than i imagined and by the time the book came out, there were already a couple hundred people interested in it before it even released, which is a big accomplishment. A lot of marketing and like social media in, uh, outreach. And the publisher was super excited. They never quite had this much interest in a book before it came out. So they offered me a contract for the second book before the first one even released. And at this point, I'd watched everything they'd done in the publishing all the steps and i was like i think i can do all this you know they're using create space or lighting source actually in kdp i convinced them to switch to create space and i was researching and learning as much as they knew and so instead of signing that contract for the second book i bought the rights to my first book back and just started self-publishing and had so much fun doing it i didn't care about anything other than like serving the handful of readers that i had staying connected with them writing another story that would that would interest them and keep me interested in the series. And I was just plugging away at that, got to the point where I was making maybe $100 a month on book sales, which I was thrilled with. And then a short story that I wrote, the seventh thing that I saw published, which was the uh, short story Wool, went, went bonkers. <laughs> and next thing I knew, I was like able to quit my day job and just concentrate on writing. And it's been just a whirlwind from there. 
I love hearing that. You hit gold with wool. I mean, we can we can all admit that. You just really did. So, and then like I told you, and I'll, I'll tell my listeners this too, I gifted my dad who loves reading. He's always looking for new authors. I gifted him a copy of wool the other day and he's, he's loving it. No surprise, but. Awesome. All right. So, all right. The point of this season, Hugh, is as me, the author coach, chatting with successful indie authors about specific struggles that they faced or maybe still face on their journey to publishing. So let me ask you this. If you had to pick, what would you consider the biggest obstacle or struggle that you had to overcome and how did this manifest for you? You know, it's funny. I Looking back, I feel like I had a, a pretty fortunate career, but I can't think of, it's hard to narrow it down just to one struggle. Oh, I know. <laughs> the fact that I can think of like quite a few really highlights how what, what in retrospect looked simple and easy in reality was very difficult many of the times. I, I'm going to give you like three difficulties. That works for me. I'll, we'll roll with it. I, I love a trilogy. I think the hardest thing for me as a writer is uh, finishing everything you start, not getting caught in the revision process, not getting lost in the allure of another project, but like everything you start, wrapping it up with all of your conviction and every ounce of your energy and creativity to make every project as good as it can be. And having that kind of narrow focus on your projects is really important. The thing I I had a hard time with as someone who started thinking self-publishing was a viable alternative to the querying traditional publishing route was at the time that I was doing it, there were there was almost nobody having success in self-publishing. Amanda Hawking comes to mind, a name I don't think we bring up quite often enough in that from that time period and how important she was to have just an example of someone who was doing well on their own we've reached out yeah well she she was a trailblazer for a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of people yeah of, of my time period which get a lot of the credit for kind of following along in this footsteps when i was going on to forums to ask for advice if i even mentioned the idea of self-publishing I wouldn't just get disagreed with. You would get you roasted. Know, yeah, roasted. Like yeah. the amount of vitriol and abuse that you would get for even suggesting this as a path was very difficult to overcome. There's a lot of stigma, which mm -hmm. luckily not as many people have. They're just always going to be there, but you don't have to deal with it to the same degree. No. But uh, I had people that I respected and admired telling me that I was going to destroy my career if I went down this path, and what. You know, weighing your own logic in your heart against a bunch of experts telling you you're an idiot. It's <laughs> really difficult to yeah. believe in yourself. And then I think the third thing that was challenging for me was I've always celebrated like everyone's uh, creative outputs in whatever capacity. I just think it's one of the coolest things that humans can do is be artistic in, in any way. And I've always celebrated people's success, even if sometimes success gets people like, Dan Brown was a huge author at the time that I was, and everybody was like, he's a terrible writer. I loved his books and he was pleasing millions and millions of people and just, you know, bashing the guy because he was successful was strange to me. But it got really strange when, when I had some success and just people came, 99% of the people were happy for me and super generous. But just having people come at you and attack you because you had done well was wild. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I don't have the constitution for that I, i've learned to deal with it and now it doesn't bother me at all but at the time it was so confusing to have 
people attacking you just because you had gotten lucky in this industry jealousy honestly yeah times. yeah which i did I, well, the thing i didn't understand about it was attacking other people has never really helped anybody with their career so it sabotages the thing that you're jealous of and that you want to attain for yourself and the people who've been generous to other people's success and uh encouraged it you often see them rise with the tide they get swept along in that in, in their positivity so i've never understood that from either side of the mm -hmm. thing but i would say yeah finishing everything overcoming the stigma and then dealing with the uh the negativity or the challenges on the other side the positives i could go on for days <laughs> about it's just been the positives have way outweighed those handful of of difficulties i'm so happy for you that's amazing i love hearing that and i love every point that you brought up it's it's you know and unfortunately i can relate with not as an author i haven't reached anywhere near your level of success but you know on TikTok, when my account went whatever viral all it was like you 99 percent of the time people great wonderful and then all of a sudden people hated me death threats they're like what did, what did i even do to you <laughs> it's, yeah it's insanity i don't understand it either it's like you, i'm like you the my logic i just don't think that way i don't i don't think i'll ever grasp but i don't think i want to <laughs> either. yeah me neither all right so all right one more quick question then we're going to do a quick break and we'll be done so so many authors go through a lot of the things that you just talked about but if we're serious about building a career as a published author something eventually has to give and once we recognize this then we have to make a serious effort and you basically said this a minute ago make a serious effort to focus and fix the issue and pivot so what do you think with those you could pick one or all three of them what was the turning point for you in your career with any of those struggles one turning point dealing with criticism i was uh at um an event where michael j fox was giving a little talk and uh i grew up on his films and just really loved the guy and he was he said making a bit of a comeback he had a sitcom that didn't shy away from his uh difficulties mm -hmm. and there was a lot of goodwill and some criticism and someone asked him um how do you, how he deals with the criticism and he said what people uh think about me is none of my business and it seems so simple but hmm. it also didn't make sense to me i'm thinking well, no, they're thinking about you oh, even now business. i'm thinking it through i'm like oh. yeah but it was it hit me just at the right time in the right way it was such a revelation and i got to talk to him about it afterwards to ask him what he meant by that and we've you know since become friends over the years and i've I've reminded him so many times how much that simple saying really changed my life. And I realized that people who have a negative reaction to people's positivity are dealing with something that I don't understand and it has nothing to do with me. And I don't even need to, I know who I am. The people who are close to me know what I'm all about. And opinions other than that are say a lot about the people with the opinions, but they say nothing about the people that they don't know. Mm -hmm. And it really liberated me, like like the flip of a switch. And since mm -hmm. then, when I hear people talk about me, I I learn about them and I don't learn anything about myself. And um, that's that, that's been really, really helpful. Oh, that's, that's amazing, right? right there. I mean, we could put a pin in that. I mean, that's a good enough lesson for yeah. any of us. I mean, because even if, somebody listening to the show hasn't necessarily had to deal with it from 
their success level in publishing or whatever, we've all, I, I can almost guarantee everybody has had, especially with online, everything being online these days and everybody feeling like they have an opinion to give and that they have the right to give it and that they have something to say about everybody's life. I think we all can relate to that. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. Well, share it via, uh, via Michael J. Fox, but I love that saying, and I'm going to remember that. That's pretty awesome. That's great. So do you mind if we take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, and then we'll come right back with a couple more and I'll let you go. That was great. All right. Are you looking for online courses for authors? Let me guess. Everything you find when searching for virtual courses on writing and or publishing your book is ridiculously expensive and would take hours and hours to pour through. Sadly, most author courses are incredibly long, boring, expensive, and they don't even go into much actual detail when it comes to, well, whatever topic they're droning on about. That was then, this is now. If you go to my website right now, bookbossacademy.com, and you click on courses, you're going to be overjoyed because now I'm offering several mini courses for authors and each one is less than an hour long and jam-packed with step-by-step -step details on topics that they cover rather than boring, broad strokes, fluff. Not only that, not a single one of my courses will ever cost you anything over $97. Starting with the very first step, I'm walking authors through everything they must do to build and prepare for a successful launch, both of their books and of their careers. In each course, I'm giving you every single step needed to build that effective marketing campaign to ensure that you never launch to crickets ever again. I've also included workbooks, templates, and resource lists to help you with each topic at no additional cost. To make things even better, I've temporarily reduced the course enrollment fees from $97 to $57. But oh, just wait, it gets even better. Not only will you have the option at checkout to pay in two bi-weekly installments for each course you take, if you hurry and use the coupon code BOOKBOSS10, that's BOOKBOSS10, now through the end of this month, I'll take an additional $10 off your enrollment fee, making each course only $47. They're easy to find. Simply head on over to bookbossacademy.com forward slash courses now. And voila, you're there. Happy learning. Okay, so we're back here with Hugh Howie author of the Silo Saga and the best-selling novel, Wool. And we've been talking about Hugh's early career as an author and some of the things that he struggled with early on and throughout his career. So let's keep that ball rolling. What do you credit for that after overcoming these, whether, you know, anything we've talked about or not talked about, any obstacles you've had? Well, I, I think luck plays a huge role. And um, I think anybody who has some success where a lot of people are trying to reach the same you know spot and there's very limited seats there it's there's no uh like your TikTok going viral like understanding why it happens to you you know can send you in circles yeah uh timing was a huge 
factor. Mm -hmm. Like I got into self-publishing when there was a lot less competition. I think social media was really pure back when I was on it in marketing, like Facebook was a place for family and friends to really get together and hang out. Like there was very little, it hadn't been weaponized for disinformation or, or marketing or spam or scams or any of that stuff. It was really Mm -hmm. a lovely time to be on social media networks, which I sounds so quaint now, but it wasn't. No, I know. And I'm saying, Um, thinking I can actually remember those days, which tells you how old I am too. So yeah. Yeah. Like we, we really, you know, it was a positive experience to be Mm -hmm. online with your friends. So a lot of things worked in my favor. I think I I was reading so much for so long. Mm -hmm. I absorbed a lot of storytelling in different formats, comic books, TV, film, a lot of novels of short stories and that education really served me well i've been working as a book critic i've been working in bookstores and seeing how the publishing world worked and i just had an amazing background that i didn't mean to assemble (laughs) for a writing career but looking back it really worked to my advantage Mm -hmm. and and then here's something that i try to encourage more writers to do i took a i took a chance in writing outside of the first series that i started Mm-hmm. and writing with different styles and in different genres. And I think we can get trapped writing the way we wrote our first book and mm-hmm. writing in that style and in that voice and in that genre. And we might not find our best work that way. So I was really taking a chance in writing, you know, things with a romantic lean and young adult and horror and thrillers and sci-fi and finding my best possible story by experimenting like that. I love that. And I, you know, that's something I don't think I've even thought about or even taught my clients much lately. I love that, but it's so true. Even in my own, I've only published seven books. And I I remember that it wasn't until I hit my probably fourth, fourth or fifth book that I finally hit my stride, I guess, where I felt like this is how I like to write. Not necessarily the genre, the genre stayed the same, crime suspense, but like you said, the voice, the way I wrote my narrative, the whether it's multiple POV or single, like all of that, it wasn't until I wrote a necessary evil and I was like, this is how I like to write. This is me. But we should always, like you said, continue to absorb and grow and get better. And and I love that if we need to stay open to that ability to grow and continue to improve. Very well stated. Thank you so much. And so when you did get to that point and Wool eventually took off for you, which you said it was the short story version that really did it, becoming the first bestseller, was it? I'm not sure. But how did your life change is my point. Like when you finally hit what we would consider some level of success, how did your life change? You know, the dream for me was to be able to stay at home and write mm. for a living. Like I, you know, loved not having to leave my dog at home uh, <laughs> by herself and Mine's under um, my feet sleeping as we speak. Exactly. Well, that's how I wrote most of my books was with my dog sleeping at my feet. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, always asking me for a walk, which is where I got a lot of my um, uh, ideas for my next scene written. And um, yeah, once, once Wool started making, you know, 3X what I was making at my bookstore job, I was able to put in my notice. And I didn't know how long it would last. You know, there's always this fear of, don't quit your job because a month from now you might be back to selling nothing. But it, it gave me enough stability and I was living a very simple debt-free lifestyle in a very small home with very, very few expenses. So I was able to take a chance and dedicate myself full-time to the writing. And that's when my life changed. Like 
uh, I just was able to pour grease on a fire and oh, wow. things really took off from there. And I think you just put a pin in every, most we'll say author's dreams, indie, trad, pub, whatever they are. I think that is the dream, whether they'll admit it or not. I talked to, you know, when I'm interviewing potential clients for coaching, and that's one of the questions I ask them is what's the dream? What do you really want? And they almost, in a, almost every time will hem and haw about, well, you know, if it happens, I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's code of safety here. Tell me what you really want. And then when you give them that comfort and that safety to be honest, nine times out of 10, I just want to write books for a living. Yep. Yeah. So it's amazing that you've been able to do that. And it shows my listeners that, you know, like you said earlier, there are varying degrees of success. It is a different market now in good and bad ways, but, or different industry now, but there are different levels of success. You may not hit Hugh Howie or Mark Dawson or uh, Amanda Hawkins or whatever level, but whatever works for you that you consider success. It can happen. So I love that message. All right. Last one. And it's a two-parter. So I'm kind of cheating. What are you working on currently? And what can my listeners expect from Hugh Howie in the future? I'm working on a few things right now. I'm working on the third book in the Sand Trilogy. The second book just came out last year Mm -hmm. and super excited to wrap that up and really enjoying spending more time in that world. Working on a book adaptation with my writing partner. We wrote a, a feature film script and as we're shopping it around, we decided this is a perfect outline for a novel. Let's write the book and get it out there. Because the challenge with Hollywood is a lot of the things that you write, no one ever reads because it never gets made. So uh, adapting things that we write for Hollywood into novels and short stories is going to be a big motivation for us. And things coming out this year, it's a pretty exciting year for me, actually. Uh, I've got two TV shows launching this year. So Silo is coming out on Apple+. Plus. And they'll be should be in the next uh, few weeks that they'll announce a date and we'll start seeing teasers. But there's already like a placeholder uh, placard on Apple TV if you search for Silo. And of course, um, we'll all be doing that. <laughs> yeah, pretty exciting. And then Beacon Twenty Three has filmed two seasons, and the first season should come out this year. And I've just seen the first couple episodes, and they're amazing. So I'm really excited about that. Um, that'll be with AMC. And oh, that's a hit! Awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've got a few little other projects that have just been things to do for fun creatively, yeah. like a couple of children's picture books, a book uh, story told through postcards. So things that aren't, the idea isn't to make money with them. It's just, I got to work with artists that I really admire and it was fun to do something together and just get it out there for the handful of people who will enjoy it. And again, that you're speaking to the dream again, which is not, you know, beyond just being able to write for a living, but what, how awesome would it be for any of us? And I, and now you're living it is to write what you want to write, when you want to write it, with whom you want to write it and do nothing but passion projects for a living. I'll take that. Thank you. Of course, that's awesome. And of course, we'll all be tuning into, especially the Beacon 23, which I have a question for you about off the record in just a moment. All right, Hugh, it has been a pleasure chatting with you today. And I just know that my listeners learned a lot from you and everything you shared with us. So I'm honored that you are not just willing to willing, but graciously eager to pitch in and give this author community something to strive for and look forward to. Thank you, really. Uh, but thank before you go, so much. And congrats on your third season. So thanks oh, for thank uh, you. 
and help let me open it up with you guys. I it means so much to me, and I'm so I'm so thrilled. We we had a one year hiatus, and we're just back with season three, and it's a little bit of a reformat and a rebrand, but we're really excited about it. So before we go, be sure to tell my listeners how they can follow and support you if you want them to, and if you have which which we just talked about anything that you want us anywhere you want us to go to purchase or pre order whatever you want. I'm going to give you the mic for one last time. Sure. I'm pretty much Hugh Howie everywhere, like uh, on Twitter and Facebook and Gmail. If you want to reach out and HughHowie.com, my uh, blog. And um, there's a, a silo fan page on Facebook that we're just starting to get. Okay. I'm, I'm getting more active in because uh, we've got a lot of old friends there from the self-publishing days who are super excited about the TV show coming out. So we're all starting to chat and get a little bit buzz going over there. So it's for the TV show silo. Yeah, we just talk about anything, but mm. uh, it's it's the kind of the official uh, site that we created for the for fans of the series. Well, there's lots of them out there, so y'all be sure to check that out and follow Hugh. And thank you again for your generosity and your time. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Okay, folks, that's a wrap on this week's episode of the Self-Publishing Success Podcast. Thanks again to this week's amazing guest host, and be sure to follow them on their social media accounts, subscribe to their newsletter, and keep an eye out for their books. As always, thanks to our sponsors for making this show possible. This podcast is brought to you by Book Boss Academy, and your host is yours truly, author, coach, and book editor, Christina Kay. You can learn more about Book Boss Academy, my services, and my helpful resources for authors by visiting bookbossacademy.com. There, you can also find previous seasons and episodes of this podcast, access the show notes, and read our transcripts. And don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok at Book Boss Academy for daily free tips, tricks, and advice on writing your best book, self-publishing it successfully, and becoming your own book boss. I follow back and I answer all comments and messages within 24 hours. Last but not least, please be a dear and hit that subscribe button. Show us some love and make it easier to find our show and get notifications when new episodes drop each week. Until next week, later, love you, bye.